Hello everyone and welcome to the University of Pretoria COVID Food Systems podcast. I am joined today by Zex, Edumisa and Mark. And we're just here to discuss some of the things that we've picked up about COVID on food systems that we are actually researching. This is part of a bigger group or a bigger research project by IDRC and we are part of the SA team. I'll just give everyone a bit of time to introduce themselves and tell us something interesting about themselves. Over to you, Zex. Uh, uh, thank you very much for the opportunity to share my preliminary findings on the study. My focus was, my name is Zex Sachwayo, and my basic focus was on agri-parks in the Gauteng province, looking at Sibukeng, uh, Sidibeng and the western area uh, area, looking at the impacts of COVID-19 on both the farmers, the farm workers, and other various uh, actors within the sector. And thank you so much, Sais. Uh, and Edumisa, what were you focusing on? Hi, my name is Edumisa Makongo, and my focus has been on the street traders in Johannesburg CBD and in Ivory Park and how COVID-19 has impacted them and their businesses. Yeah, so basically how things have changed now. Thank you. So you are more interested in that the informal trade, so to speak. Yes. And then Mark, can you give us a brief explanation of what your focus is? Yeah, I'm Mark Weger. If I lecture in development studies at University of Pretoria, and I'm part of this study on the impact of COVID-19 and the regulations around COVID-19 on food systems. I focus mostly on interviewing various farmers, uh, especially those in the fresh produce trade, and most of them have been in Gauteng and a few in Limpopo province. Right, thank you. So we, we have one person who's focusing on agri-parks, or so more of like the regulation, and, and not regulation, but more governance thereof, and then informal trade, which is Edumisa and then Mark refers more on a more holistic point and he seems to also be following the food because he says some of those farmers are in Limpopo and most of our food comes all the way from Limpopo. And well, on my side, uh, I'm Makanana Malungana and I'm a master's student in development studies at the University of Pretoria. And my focus is mainly on Johannesburg fresh produce market, which is actually one of the, is the biggest fresh produce market in Africa was affected by COVID-19, but also following the actors within uh, within Joburg market and how they were impacted from traders to buyers to farmers. I've conducted quite a couple of interviews. So back to Edumisa, what were the interesting things that you picked up during your preliminary? I'd like to also express that these are just initial findings and we are here to supplement or corroborate what we've picked up so far. Edumisa? Uh, what was interesting for me mostly um, during my preliminary research was that a lot of women seemed to be marginalized when it comes to COVID-19. Mm. Because some women I met, well, a woman that I met in the streets of Johannesburg who was a trader, she had her little daughter, maybe around ages of three to five, somewhere there, who she was with at her station. She said something interesting that she used to go with her daughter to the Johannesburg fresh produce market when she goes and stalks every morning her fresh produce. And now she couldn't go with her daughter anymore because COVID regulations didn't allow for children to go 
and also since the schools were closed so for me it gave me a light as to a lot of women have been put aside due to COVID regulations and the reg- some of the regulations that we had in South Africa had most impacts towards the women and how they try and like navigate society. Mm. So you've been picking up a lot of gender disparities in that. And then uh, Zakes, anything interesting on your part? Most, most important is to understand the background of agri-parks when they were established, why they were established, what issues they try to address. Most important is that uh, agri-parks are incubator programs to support and supplement the activities of emerging uh, black farmers. And most participants, both individuals who are working within the agri-parks and cooperatives within the agri-parks were highly or heavily impacted by the the lockdowns and the impacts of lack of support from government. And then were there any interesting stories you had or encounters you had with some of the people you interviewed? I would rather call them very sad encounters rather than interesting, in that most uh, one lady I spoke to, who is uh, who I'll call Lindway uh, for this purposes, had her whole uh, family network suffering as a result of the COVID. Once she could not uh, go to the agri park because she didn't have space for a taxi to take her to the agri parks. And the people who used to help her were unable to support her going to the agri-park. Just quite a sad experience, given that she had a big family to look after and a child to support and maintain as well. I think now there's also a linkage between women and how women were quite affected because both yours and Edumisa's story has some sort of linkages between the two of us, women who need to take care of their families and were adversely affected by COVID-19. Mark, any interesting insights that you picked up on field? Well, I think that talking to different farmers, there has been very different kinds of impacts. So one can talk to some farmers who say they do, they've done well out of COVID and demand for their produce has actually increased. And then talk to other farmers who've been devastated and and because their markets have completely collapsed. So looking at those differentiated impacts, I think, is important and interesting. Mm. And some of what we see coming through, of course, farmers who were supplying like the restaurant and hotel and events industry have really suffered because restaurants, hotels shut large events basically stopped so they've really um, suffered others who've been uh, supplying for home use especially sort of more upmarket like a certain some organic farmers i've spoken to who supply sort of more uh, you know upper end sort of of the market seem to have done quite well and it partly seems to be because people staying at home instead of going out to restaurants they're buying food and cooking better meals at home and then there's farmers that I've spoken to who talk about the general decline in the demand. And those seem to be ones who are focusing on a sort of lower end of the market, you know, poorer kind of clients, where we're seeing that people just due to job losses and so on and income losses just don't have the money to buy anymore. Now, the farmers who have lost out and even in some cases had to retrench workers or some who've carried on trying to pay workers, but they're not getting the income to be able to afford that. 
what's interesting is that all the ones we've spoken to who have applied for COVID-19 relief assistance have basically not got it. There have been a some ad hoc bits of UAF, but it's been very limited and nowhere near meeting the need, and it's been inconsistent. So the government support also seems to be failing those farmers who have uh, been severely negatively affected. I think uh, your conversation about demand is also quite an interesting take because one thing that I also picked up during my research is this popcorning or mushrooming of uh, home delivery services because now demand has changed quite substantially. Um, in my case, it was the sense that people started their businesses during COVID and they scaled during that period. But like you say, in this case, people were most adversely affected were within the lower income levels. But on the other hand, we talk about the adverse effect of, um, of food systems, but Joburg Market was one of the few markets that did not close at all. It was still going on regardless of what COVID did or what happened with COVID or whether there was an infection rate or not. And I think that was quite surprising um, considering that this is food and I want to say, Makanana, I mean, we, we've seen in the statistics on the Joburg and other markets that there has been, over the last year, a reduction in the volumes of fresh produce going through those markets, which would seem to reflect an overall decline. You know, mm. Some traders seem to do well, especially when there was an the alcohol ban, the lack of alcohol sales seemed to um, result in some more purchase of fresh produce so people were eating at home. So both these people are not going out, so they're eating at home, and also they're not spending on alcohol. Um, but but it's worrying that the overall volumes have gone down, but um, prices, the the value has not gone down as much, indicating some, you know, increasing food prices, which I think we've also seen from other statistics. So I think there is indication of an overall decline in demand, probably just because of poverty and joblessness, and that's affecting some farms. Uh, whereas, of course, the wealthier people are still investing and, in, you know, changing maybe to box deliveries you're talking about. And that would, that would you know, in the context of Africa, that would seem to be then an increase in inequality because the richer can actually buy more nice organic and other nice fresh produce delivered to their door. People mm. are simply having to give up on buying. I uh, think in our, one of our offline chats, Edumisa mentioned how informal traders also became, became quite agile um, and innovative and started delivering at, at people's doors, I think, in Ivory Park. Edumisa, would you like to expand more on that? Yes, a couple of street traders, street traders branched out into a sort of like home, but it's not a home delivery system per se, but instead of consumers going outside of their houses to a stall that's that has fresh produce the different consumers hire out people to sort of like go around the streets of ivory park mm -hmm. selling um it's quite similar to home delivery but now they just set the go around and people on demand would come out of their houses and they would buy which makes it easier for them instead of leaving their houses and going to a stall to go and buy. Now these people, different sorts of people come and sort of like make access, make it more accessible to the individuals. I have a similar experience in Western area where a young farmer in Western area would work his field in the morning and in the afternoons or early evenings would then go back to the township 
and sell his fresh produce from door to door. And he actually, in his own view, made more money doing that rather than selling through other um, uh, retailers, being directly selling directly to the the people and different homes. I think that's quite interesting, Zayt, considering that where was he selling before? It seems like there's a shift of food flows. Uh, before COVID, could you explain how he was selling beforehand and how he says now he's making more money? Where was he selling before? There were walk-ins, people, I mean, party traders, walk-ins, and also, I mean, uh, the job of market, uh, the formal uh, retailers. He still does that, but mostly, and he gets better money from selling door to door. Mark, have you picked, I heard you had something else to say, and I think we had a bit of a clash in there. Would you like to elaborate further? Uh, I was just trying to be clear. I think what Edu was talking about is door to door sales. People go like Holly's mm -hmm. selling door to door. And I think it's the same as the story Zakes was talking about. So I think there's certainly, we've come across a number of different ways in which people are doing more, farmers are doing more direct selling. And, or even if they were doing that before, like in the case Zakes was talking about, that side of it is increased. And I think it, the, 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 the urban farmers we spoke to also indicated something like that. I think the question is, what future implication does it have or hold? Would we see a, a growth in, in those forms of transactions? I mean, that is after COVID, or would people, you know, re return to the old normal? I think I'll be very interested to, you know, go out and, uh, you know, and tease that out from the various seminar informants that I'll be talking to. What is quite interesting in this bit is that, well, now we have this next vaccination rollout coming out, um, coming in now, and that perhaps there might be less people at home to go pick up home deliveries and with uh, mass uh, immunity, people might just go back to work. Or whether this is a, a core behavioral change amongst consumers, they will just continue buying like this. Mark, do you have any thoughts on that? Well, yeah, I mean, what remains as a locked-in change is what's going to be interesting. I think that, you know, for, especially for middle and upper class consumers, ordering online and having delivery to the door is a trend that has been happening more anyway before COVID. So I think COVID is accelerating mm. that. And so it's likely that we're going to see more of that. Um, I, certainly talking to one farmer in particular, they, or actually a few who indicated that they'd been selling through these people who do the box schemes. I think one thing mm. to keep in mind is that quite a lot of people started getting into that space and some have succeeded and some haven't. You know, So it's not every new venture that will succeed, but some are going to succeed, I think. And I think we will see more of that. The question then becomes who gains out of that? Is it the mm. eater of the food at the end of the day who's gaining? Is a farmers gaining or are they losing? Um, and I think that's the sort of thing we need to look at as we continue with the research. And how does changes food accessibility? Mm. Uh, and yeah. food flows within Gauteng. Does this make this a more accessible, equitable food distribution system going forward? Because then, I mean, let's consider townships such as Ivory Park that beforehand you maybe need to take a taxi to go buy some produce or you needed to spend extra money. And then in this case, when people come straight to your door, it might just increase your accessibility. Look, I definitely think... It accessibility is going to be a bonus even after we even after COVID like with the vaccine rollout and everything I 
definitely still think that it's more convenient and people are actually going to lean more towards it even after the pandemic. Do you think that it will have a, a premise on women taking care of children? Because it means now they won't necessarily need Definitely. To yes, I, re- I generally think so. As part of a, a food um, security project, a lot of companies want to create meals that are quicker to cook and whatever, whatever, for time and convenience for different women to take, to be able to also take care of their children in the household. So this could also add to something like that, where now it's lesser time. You don't have to catch a taxi and go to the nearest CBD to buy your vegetables. If there mm-hmm. are people who can go to door and sell you vegetables. So you can, you having more time to take care of the family and less time to preparing the food quite positive things out of this but it also I think, depends on the you know what's supported and what interventions are made as well to so, you know to say well, how could we build on the best aspects of some of the the new trends and avoid some of the negative aspects are there any closing words we have a, a minute and 30 seconds left let's start off with mark yeah, I think I'm already said it. Let's let's keep on looking at what is happening, what changes lock in, and who's benefiting or not. And with a better understanding of that, we can also say, well, what interventions could, as I was saying, build on the better qualities of what we're seeing, like where it does Edumisa was saying make it more accessible and hopefully more affordable as well. Um, yes. But let's also look out for the risks and those who have been losing out and make sure that there is. Worth looking at the losers and winners, but the question is, what are the implications for either of the parties? So involved parties. And Edumisa? I think with the information we know now of the kinds of changes in, in patterns in the food systems that have happened due to COVID, it would be interesting also to find out post COVID how people are going to still maintain those kinds of different sort of ways of accessing food and food accessibility. Right. And well, closing off with me, I think, as Mark says, accessibility and affordability, but also it's quite interesting how COVID sort of highlighted the structural bottlenecks within the food system in Gauteng and how something as simple as no informal traders was actually quite bad for food security gains within the province and how it impacted everyone there. And I think also highlighting the governance and the structural issues within could be quite an interesting take and sort of see whether we can push it forward. Um, But thank you everyone for joining the podcast. so much for joining us we really appreciate you next time we will focus on street traders selling fresh produce and how they have been affected and responded to COVID-19